Thank you for downloading the Grove City Vineyard Sermon Podcast. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, church. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. It's good to see all of you guys this morning. Lord in heaven, we look to you this morning and we ask uh, for the move of your Holy Spirit to continue in here in ways that are so pleasing to you. We look for you to come and uh, be Lord over us, be Lord in us. We ask for you to come in the power of uh, your presence and to, um, and to engage us, Lord, in, in your holiness. I sense your presence here this morning, Lord, and am humbled that you would want to use me to bring words of life to these people. And so I ask that you will come now and you will bear your spirit into this place now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, it is really great to be back. It was a great time away, an important time away. I did, in fact, have the honor of going to Michigan and... um, uh, officiating at my own pastor's funeral, which was really quite, quite an honor. Um, and we wore ourselves out with grandkids and stuff, and also had some fantastic time with the Lord as uh, just a couple, you know, just as Tom and Karen, and it was really remarkable. Spent quite a bit of time pressing into the Lord for what we should be doing next and where should we be going from here and with some of the things that we face. And so it was really good. I want to thank you all. Thank you for praying for me uh, while we were away and seeking the Lord. Thank you so much. Thanks for Christian for his outstanding preaching last month. And uh, thank you also for, uh, you know, for uh, those of you who uh, did some of those daily devotionals, online devotionals for me. I just uh, couldn't have been more pleased with... with uh, with it all. Before I begin to preach, I'd like to, I'd like for us to take an opportunity to pray. Uh, I have on my heart this morning uh, those of you students, those of you educators, those of you parents who are now suddenly educators, uh, you know, and the situations that so many of you are facing right now with what must be a very complicated time. And some of the decisions that some of you are facing as, you know, uh, two parents who have to go to work and a kid at home, uh, you know, it just, uh, it just must be really, really challenging for you. And so I'd like to just offer a prayer for you. I've also asked Lin- Lindsay Pierce to come on up. Lindsay, Lindsay and I were talking yesterday, and uh, she's, uh, she's been one of our middle school leaders for a long time, and she's also a preschool teacher. And if you know, if you know Lindsay, you know her heart, and if you've yeah, I won't build her up too much because she'll just, it'll just make her more nervous than she already is. So here's what I'd like. I would love, if you're a student, if you are an educator, if you're a parent who is facing these challenges, if you're a grandparent, or you know, if, you're, if you feel like you're part of the situation I just described with the challenges of education, would you just please stand right where you are, please? And I know back in the day we had you come up and stuff, but I wonder if you could just stand. We're not going to make you do anything else. We're just going to pray for you. We know that even uh, surely those of you who are in homeschool situations, indeed, you're not meeting with your group and stuff like that. And so really everyone is affected uh, by this. And so uh, we just 
We just want to pray for you. Father in heaven, may the Spirit of the Lord just come down on this place and bless these students and bless these parents and bless these teachers and bless these grandparents and bless anyone, Father, who is just caught up in the, the winds of change in education. Father, we pray for those who are, feel like they're missing out on things this year, and we just pray that your Holy Spirit will come now and bless them in your precious name. Lord, I thank you that you are still good in the midst of change, that you don't change. Mm -hmm. I pray for all of the parents who have made the tough decision if their child should stay home or go mm -hmm. to school, Lord, mm -hmm. and the fears they may have from mm -hmm. them being exposed to things, mm -hmm. that you just come and be the calm in that storm. Mm -hmm. I pray for the educators who are scared of going to work as well, yes, Lord. who want to be around children and have to make that tough decision, mm -hmm. that you come and just give them wisdom and discernment how mm -hmm. to love on these children, Lord, because yes, they can Lord. still do that. Yes, and I pray for the students, Lord, mm -hmm. that they will still feel you and be with their friends, mm -hmm. that they will still get to participate in things. It may just look different, Lord. I pray that you just continue to guide them each day, Jesus, mm -hmm. and fill them with your spirit and let yes, them know they Lord. are going to change the world. <laughs> and I just ask that you come and protect their minds and their hearts, Lord, that they not be discouraged, but they are filled with your hope and mm -hmm. with your glory, Lord. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Lord, these things we pray together believing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Isn't she wonderful? Well, hey, life is good. I don't know about what you're looking at, but life is good. Life is good. We're celebrating some things today. Uh, we're celebrating uh, Tiffany, who's been on our, on our uh, she found the Lord in this very room 19 years ago, or 20 years ago, and she's been on our staff for the last 19 years, and she and her husband, Greg, are celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary today. So how about that? I don't know if she's in the room or not, I, but how about that? Uh, Karen is also celebrating her birthday today, so my wife Karen, so hey, how about that? Yep. But we've also been, no, I don't think we're going to do that, Peter. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> you can do it after, okay? And, and, and uh, 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 we're also, Karen and I are also celebrating something that just dawned on us as we were eating lunch with the staff on Wednesday. Typically on Wednesdays, I like to have all the staff together eating lunch and catching up and stuff. And it dawned on us as just we were talking about stuff that it would have been just about this time. It was right after Labor Day in the 10th grade in biology class that we met. And so it would have been 50 years ago that we met. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. And man, I married up. I got to tell you what. When I... We, we were sat next to each other by the providence of God because Mr. Patterson, our teacher, decided to seat every two people in lab tables for the, for the year according to an alphabetical seating chart, which put Karen right next to me, and boy, was she thrilled, right? <laughs> right? Man, oh man, that poor thing. And I, I got to tell you, and I realized I was 15 and I'm trying out my new testosterone and everything. And I got pretty excited when she was just cuter than a bug's ear. But there was something about her that I just had to find out about, that I just had to pursue. 
And you know, I, at that time, I didn't know God from a goat, and I was living a, just going way down the wrong path, probably had contraband in my front pocket, and, and that's the guy that I was who sat down next to Kieran. And I don't know, I don't know how long it took for me to work up the nerve. I don't remember the day, but I do remember my pickup line. I said, you want to come and hear my band practice? No, I'll let you sit on my amp. I was in a band. I was in a little cover band in high school called the Pump House Gang, and uh, we did all these redemptive songs. You want to hear a couple? Sure you do. All right. So this is, this is, this was, I never thought I'd, in my life I'd play a pink guitar, but what are you going to do? So this was the thing that poor Karen had to decide about. We did all kinds of really redemptive songs, you know? We would play high school dances, we'd play New Year's Eve parties and stuff like that. One of our songs was this, maybe you recognize it. Listen, I, th I, think, I think the part that probably got her was the little bridge. Close your eyes, girl. Look inside, girl. Let the sound take you away. How could you resist that, right? Come on. So there she was, that poor thing, and listening to these songs that we were doing. Right? So that, that was the level of redemption. You probably didn't expect to hear Steppenwolf and Eric Burden in church today, right? But there was something about her. And she'll be the first to tell you that she was, she was kicking on the boundaries of her Christian upbringing herself. She'll be the first to tell you. But there's something about her and her family that really got my attention. And looking back, I, I really believe it was the imputed righteousness that was in her life. Because when, you know when you know Christ, he imputes righteousness to you. Do you know that? And so if you're having a good season or a bad season, you still have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ coming off of you. And so I made my way to Christ through Karen and her family and ultimately the pastor whose funeral I officiated. And it changed that song. Amazing grace, sing it. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Didn't know that worked, did you? I once was lost, but now.
So that's what she fell in love with over time. <laughs> oh, it's just such an amazing thing. Life is good. Life, beloved, life is good. And listen, life is still good. Life is still good. No matter what you're facing right now, life is still good. I want to start a three-part series of messages this week entitled, Life is Still Good. And today, I want you to understand that life is still good because true life, life is an inside gift. Life is about the inside. Life, are you hearing me, is an inside gift. Life is what's going on on the inside because of the resurrected Jesus Christ living inside of you. You know, you get some gifts, and some gifts are for inside, and some gifts are for outside, right? How many of you, like, got a skateboard for Christmas, or a tennis racket or something, and your mom said, not in the house, right? Because that's an outside gift. Life is an inside gift. Life is not about what's going on around us. And that, so the quality of our lives is not determined by external circumstances ever. The, qual the true value and quality of our lives is determined by the life of Jesus Christ living inside of us. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says that God, God made man out of the dust of the earth, and then what did he do? He breathed into, into his nostrils the breath of life. Was life on the outside? Life's on the inside. God breathed into us the very breath of life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. And this was, this was a life that Jesus was, was breathing into the inside of us. I mean, look at the external circumstances of his life and the lives of his disciples. <laughs> None of them were prosperous. None of them were even comfortable. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life abundantly because it's on the inside. In John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. If any man abides in me and I in him, in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Because the life that the Lord gives us is a life that is fundamentally on the inside. In John chapter 7 and verse 38, Jesus said, if anyone believes in me, the scripture will be fulfilled, that you'll have a, a stream or a river, a fountain of living water welling up from inside of you. And so, listen, the whole thing is about what's going on inside that then affects the outside. So because life is, life is internal, interior, not exterior, it is, it is always good when we're walking with Jesus. I want, this is never more clear to me than in Luke chapter 12, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles there. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. And um, while you're turning there, the context of this, this passage I'm about to read for you is 
contained in this massive body of teaching that is recorded in the book of Luke. I mean, you're not, I don't think you're going to find any more red letters together than in Luke 10 through 18 than in any of the other Gospels. And so this massive body of teaching, some of it you'll recognize as kind of pieces of the Sermon on the Mount, like the Lord's Prayer and stuff like that. And, and it might cause you to wonder, well, you know, when did Jesus say that? Did he say that all at once in the Sermon on the Mount? Or did he say it as Luke has described in pieces, and the answer seems obvious to me, and that is that he said it more than once. I mean, there was nothing to take notes on. There was, you couldn't watch the tape later. You couldn't, you couldn't, you, so the, the rabbis would very customarily give the same lesson again and again and again. And so, it, as we look at this passage, Luke chapter 12, that's the context in this massive body of teaching. Verse 13 says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Well, what's going on here? Well, apparently you have a dispute between two brothers over an inheritance that was due them. Their father had obviously passed away and the inheritance would now have been divided. But what you may not know is in those days that it was the eldest son, only the sons, by the way, ever received inheritance. The daughters were expected to go out and find a husband who was receiving an inheritance. But only the sons would receive inheritance. But the eldest son would receive double the inheritance as the other than the others. And so if you just do the math on this for the sake of just for the sake of argument, and Gary Basinger out in the parking lot will help me with this, is if, 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 if let's just say there are two brothers and there's $60,000, and Gary's already thinking, well, that means 40000 would go to the older brother and 20000 to the younger brother. And so it was not uncommon when there was a dispute about this kind of thing for them to approach a rabbi. And Jesus was thought of as a rabbi. And so this guy comes up and says, hey, tell him to divide that his part with me. It ain't fair. It's just not fair. Does this help you understand the parable of the prodigal son a little bit? When you have this older brother? <laughs> that really helps, doesn't it? But he said, tell him to divide, divide it down the middle, I think is the clear implication. And Jesus said, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between, between you? In other words, he's saying, why are you coming to me? Well, didn't we already say that they would commonly come to rabbis to, dis to settle these disputes? Well, he's saying, I'm not a rabbi. Why are you coming to me? I, I'm not who you think I am. And he goes on, he says, he says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. A man's life does not consist of what's on the outside. A man's life is inside. Does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Interesting, isn't it? That in this parable, he poses this question. A man has a bumper crop and says, what shall I do? I guess I'll have to build bigger barns. See, it had never occurred to him that there would have been another answer to that, which would have been to give it away. 
It never occurred in this, this guy's parable that that's not the only thing you can do with surplus, but that God gives us surplus for what purpose? But generosity. <laughs> and he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Verse 18, then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of goods, uh, good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. There, I've, I'm set for life. I can relax now and eat, drink, and be merry. Now this may have been Jesus referring to what that, that quote in Ecclesiastes, but it also was probably more likely Jesus dialing into a prevailing thought called Epicureanism where where Epicurus was a, was a Greek philosopher and prevailing thought was the substance of life is found in what you can enjoy. Just, just, just enjoy things because that's the substance of your life. In fact, Epicurus said, for, this, for tomorrow we shall die, he said, don't even worry about death because death is not here. Here is Epicurus. Death is not here yet, so you don't have to worry about it. Just enjoy now. And he said, because when you die, you will cease to exist, and you don't have to worry about it then. What a dark way to live your life. Then he said, or, but God said to him, verse 20, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Your life. What, the stuff? No, because a man's life does not consist in the abundance of possession. The life will be demanded of you. You're going to die. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? It was a big deal among successful Jewish people to have somebody worthy of receiving their inheritance. He said, you're going to die now, and then, and then look. It's just all going to evaporate into the hands of no one. And he said, that is how it will be with those who, with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God, with anyone who lives their life with this utter preoccupation with the outside but is not rich toward God who's on the inside. Does that make some sense? Life's on the inside. And what, what we're facing right now is this. I think what we're facing right now is the temptation to overfocus on the outside and to miss the life of Jesus Christ on the inside. I mean, if you look at people who have been persecuted, martyred for their faith, Corey Ten Boom, how, how, could these, how could these people, when you read about martyrs, even modern day martyrs, they could just go off to their death with such joy because no one was taking their life from them because their life was on the inside. This is life. Life is still good because life's on the inside. Now, there are some external threats that will come and try to just tempt you away. Because remember I gave to you John 10.10, 10, where it said, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I didn't tell you the first part of that, where Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So he, he's putting his life in juxtaposition with what what 
the world has to offer, the enemy has to offer, who is just coming to steal, kill, and destroy. What's he stealing? What's he trying to steal? Your life. He's trying to steal your life by over preoccupation with what's going on on the outside. I want to give you three external threats just to, just to be a little more practical. The first external threat is money and possessions. Right? We get over-focused on, oh, I got to make a bigger paycheck. Oh, I got to... We get over-focused on stuff. And when we do that, it creates anxiety, and we're not living here, we're living there. Hmm. And Jesus said that a person's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. That's not where your life is. Now, does that mean we shouldn't work? Does that, or does that even mean that we shouldn't, we shouldn't take, make some provision for our retirement and stuff like that? Hey, listen, do I have a 401k? Yeah, I actually do. But you know what I haven't done since this pandemic started? I haven't looked at it. I don't even know what it's worth. Maybe it's not worth anything anymore wasn't worth a lot when it started, but listen, should we live life and go to work and pay our bills and make provision? Of course we should, but we must not be preoccupied with what's going on on the outside because life is in here. Now, school and work can become an external threat to your life. These things are complicated now, aren't they? These things are complicated, going to work and Going to school or not going to school, and these things can, can become obsessive subjects in our heads and draw us away from the life that's living inside of you, Jesus Christ. I missed 53 days of school in my senior year. I skipped school all the time. I turned out okay. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's not the most important thing. It's important, of course. But that's not where your life is. Now buckle up for the next one. Another external threat to your life right now are masks and politics. Masks and politics are polarizing our nation, are polarizing the church. Masks and politics. Now, are masks important? Are they an important issue that the person could have an opinion on? Of course. Upcoming election cycle, is that important? Of course it is. Pray, beloved, pray for guidance from the Lord. Pray. But it has become such an occupation of our thought that the church is missing out on the life that God wants to put inside. I don't like wearing a mask, just so you know. I have no investments in a mask company that I know of. and I am not benefiting at all by agreeing with the elders that we should follow the directive of the governor and wear masks. And I literally think it's such a small price to pay to be with you. I really do. It's such a small price to pay for me to be in the room with you. 
you know, if it were necessary for me to be in the room with you, I would wear a red leather bikini. I'm sorry, Frank, that you can't get that thought out of your mind now. Ain't no mountain high enough to keep me from loving you. I want to tell you that right now. It seems like such a small price to pay. I don't like it. I long for the day when it'll be past. But it seems like such a small price to pay. And these are the kind of external things, and we could go on with the list, things that just keep drawing us out of the inner life that Jesus has for us. Life is still good if you'll live it from the inside. The outward circumstances of our lives do not determine the true quality of our lives. And I believe this morning, and I've been praying this morning, that God will do something in our gathering here. I don't know if it'll go online. I don't know if this can happen online, but I know it can happen in here. I've seen it before. And that's a God will come in the power of his Holy Spirit and breathe new life into you. You know, Jesus, when he was resurrected, he, he, he looked at his disciples, he spoke to them, and he, it said he breathed on them. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Isn't that fascinating? I mean, right now, when we're doing everything we can not to breathe on each other, hello? And I'm just praying today that the Lord will breathe on you, will breathe on you, will breathe on you, breathe, and you'll take a deep breath, and he will revive the life of of himself inside of you, because your life can be good again if you live it from the inside. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come into this room right now, we pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we trust you. Holy Spirit, we long for you. Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit, we're in trouble. We're in trouble, Holy Spirit. The world is calling us out of our interior life. And we need you, Holy Spirit, to come and fill us fresh and powerfully, supernaturally, unmistakably. Lord, this is not a religious exercise for us. This is a relational moment where we look to you as our Father God and say, send your promised Holy Spirit into this room and touch every heart, every life. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Church, stand with me, please. Come, Holy Spirit. The Lord, I believe, wants to just breathe on you breathe on you. Would you open your heart to that? Would you perhaps lift your hands this way and just say, Holy Spirit, come. I want to take a deep, 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 deep breath of Holy Spirit today. He's here. 